You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. So I agree with you, and it's brutal on these dating apps because if you are less than six feet, you have a really hard time. And like women right on their Tinder profile don't even swipe right if you're less than six feet. Like, imagine if I put on my Tinder profile, if you are more than 120 pounds, do not even swipe right. I have no interest in you. Could you? You would be crucified. You would be crucified. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) But, like, somehow it's socially acceptable to, like, demean men's heights. And I don't get that. Well, it's it's a double standard. But then again, women also have to squeeze babies through their vagina. So, you know, it's just kind of a toss-up, Chris. Which, congratulations, you squeezed one out, what, yesterday, the day before? It was, no, no, it was exactly a week ago today. In fact, almost an hour ago it was, yeah. So she's oh, a week old. I'm I'm lost yes. track of time. I don't know what day it is, so I did not realize I, it was I been a week. Yeah, I have, I kind of, well, I kind of, you know, stepped out for a couple days and took some time to regroup and stuff, but. Now I'm back doing some memes, chatting about anarchism, you know. (laughs) Yeah, so feel free to leave your uh, questions here on the Stereo app. We'd love to hear if you have questions for an anarchist. I'm not an anarchist, but... uh, Yes, you are. Trisha, do you think I'm an anarchist? So um, you're an anarchist that doesn't want to call yourself one. Interesting. Why, Why do you say that? Um, I believe that you believe in a voluntary society and that that's the most moral way for people to interact with each other. All right. For those of the, the people who are on stereo who – because this is like a whole new group of people that like have never heard voluntarist and don't know what that means. Like what is a voluntarist? Yeah. Yeah. So a voluntarist is actually a much better word for a lot of people than an anarchist because – it's one of those things where the definition of the word anarchy kind of got changed over time. So voluntarism is basically the principle that um, every interaction you have with other human beings should be voluntary and there should be no coercive uh, force. So a government would be coercive, violently coercive, not coercive. Um, so nothing should be handled through the barrel of a gun. Everything should be voluntary. So if, I, if you want to build a library... You don't put a gun to somebody's head to build a library. You make a contract with other people and and group together to make a library. Yeah, but if so I want to build a library, government. Yeah, but like if I want to build yeah. a library, I don't put in a gun to anybody's head. I just go to the city council and I build a library. What are you talking about, you nut? Well, that that's a good point. So that's a lot uh, the way that a lot of people think about it, and for most of my life, I did too. But that library gets funded through taxation, um, and libertarians are really obnoxious people. And I guess I identify as a libertarian, but they have this expression called taxation is theft. And that comes off as kind of an odd thing to say or doesn't make sense. But what it is is the fact that um, through no contract, you, you never signed a contract with the government, but they have the right to take your income. And if you don't pay them, they can put you in a cage. And if you don't get in the cage, they can shoot you in the head. So there's a coercive violence force taking your money for the library. And it's not just the fact that it's coercive, violent force. It's the fact that it's not a great way to build things. Because when you use coercive violence instead of incentive, like free market incentives or even the incentives of people to you know, want to group together with their neighbors or their friends or people they like or somebody that they'd like to sell a good to, um, if, if you take that away, that incentive, and take the way um, – 
put forth the incentive of coercive violence, you have a worse product because it's not something that people naturally would want. It's something that are, they're forced into. And I think everybody could agree that consent is always better than force. Yeah. So essentially, uh, if I don't pay my taxes, if I don't uh, do what the government says, it's different than if I, 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 I want to try and make this as just as simple as possible for people. So mm-hmm. because I think it's when you first hear it, you're just like, this is a wacko idea. And we do have our first yeah. and you can ask questions. Please leave us a comment. I just figured out how to do that. But like it's voluntary versus involuntary are two very different concepts because think about your reaction to being told that you have to do this or else versus your reaction of, I think that's a good idea. And I agree with you. I'd like to cooperate with you on that. It's two very different psychologies. Mm -hmm. And one produces better results. Yeah. Like that's why I kind of think like the whole mask thing is like the lockdowns, for instance, we have no idea if the lockdowns actually work. We, we know that they are putting people out of business, but like by and large, most people are going to change their behavior. They're not going to go out and do whatever they want to do. And in other countries, you kind of saw that. You saw more cooperation. But in America, it's like they got heavy handed initially and it just creates this backlash. And so all of a sudden people are out there like, I'm not going to wear a mask. You can't tell me what to do, you know, which is. Yeah, that. The, which is crazy to me, Trisha, because that's saying I'm going to do the wrong thing unless the government makes me. So therefore, I'm proving the government's necessary, even though I'm anti-government. <laughs> I, I think it stems from that whole, um, you know, if you're a teenager, you want to disobey your parents. And I can say, honestly, a lot of parents say or do really stupid things. <laughs> I'm not a fan of saying, well, you have to do this. And, and when you ask your parents, they say, because I said so, they should probably be able to give you an answer. Right. But sometimes your parents actually have a good reason for you not wanting to do something. So you just doing the opposite of what they say isn't always smart. Not that the government is your parents, but um, you know, sometimes uh, something they suggest is a good idea. Sometimes it's a bad idea. The problem is when you force people to do things and you don't let them make the decision themselves, the really anti-government people are just going to automatically default to not doing what they said. Yeah. So here, <laughs> so let, let, lockdowns, lockdowns okay. really don't, they, I mean, over and over, they're they're proven not to really. It it doesn't help stop the spread. No, it, it but makes... mask wearing and distancing isn't isn't a horrible idea, and neither is you know, not going around people that could be you know no a potentially commu- a, commu- yeah. a communicable disease needs community, and so yeah, it's a it's like right. you need masking and social distancing and all these different. It's the Swiss cheese model, so you you can't you have all yeah. these different layers of protection at works, and so. It's better. And Anthony Fauci, of all people, believes this to be true because I was listening to a podcast with CBS where he was talking about the vaccine and he was asked if he supported mandatory vaccines. And he said, no, I don't support that because the best way to get people to take the vaccine is to persuade them. And if you try to force the vaccine, then nobody's going to want to take it because then it becomes a a freedom issue. And I went, wouldn't it be hilarious if Anthony Fauci next year was like on the Tom Woods show talking about libertarianism? Um, (laughs) I don't know if that's going to (laughs) happen. Let's, let's take a uh, cut. Let's take these two quick questions here. Uh, Like, I I just don't want to cut these people off here. Hey guys, thanks for uh, jumping on the show. Thank you, sir. You're uh, assuming that's the wrong thing to do. What makes you know what the right thing to do is? I'll choose how I die. He raises a really good point, Trisha. 
Okay. Well, um, so that kind of goes into the, uh, is, are you walking around um, potentially being able to kill somebody? Uh, if you might have a virus um, and if you choose to die, it's your own, um, that's your own choice. And I'd say, Hey, go for it. <laughs> if you want to commit suicide, you know, I think it's against the law, but don't let this stop you. I think, I think people idea. Yeah, I think people <laughs> tend to think that like an anarchist voluntary society is a lawless society, and that's not the case. No. Yeah. No. Um, so a uh, uh, cool thing, and I don't know. We won't go into Ron Paul, but some of you might recognize the name. Um, one time he was talking to a group of pretty conservative people. This is way back, an interview. And somebody says, you just want to legalize all drugs. He said, yes, I do. And they and he goes, now, if heroin was legal tomorrow, would you run out and do it? And the woman's like, no, well, of course you wouldn't. You're still going to do it. Do you need the government to tell you that heroin's not a great idea? And if you do do it, well, then that's your choice. Then you're going to suffer the consequences. But it's certainly not my business. And it's certainly not the business of the government. Yeah. I mean, the, so <laughs> you, you stop at a stop sign, not because you are told to stop at the stop sign. You stop because of the risk that it carries if you don't stop at the stop sign. You don't even need the stop right. sign. You, it, like there, A cop pulling you over for running a stop sign does nothing. Like it, it's, it's your personal safety you're thinking about. Like a seatbelt. I wear a seatbelt religiously um, every time I get in the car because it saved my life when I was 16. Right. Um, I would have been through a windshield into a tree. And I've had anarchists be like, you know, and I said that if you don't want to wear one, that's fine. I think it's foolish if you have a child in the car because you may not be able to help them get out because you'll be dead. But that's not my decision either because I'm not their parent. But I think it's smart to wear a safety belt. I don't wear it because the government said so. I think I the, wear it because it's a good idea. Yeah, I think <laughs> the other important part of this is that you don't get to just do whatever you want to do. You still have to there, – there still is an existing force mechanism. You just, Like if you – murder someone, rape someone, steal from someone, defraud someone. Mm -hmm. Like there's still a police department. There's still a judge. There's still laws. It's just that you would agree. Right. You'd, you'd, you'd voluntarily opt in or you'd move somewhere else and opt into their laws, right? Right. That's exactly. So you'd have voluntary societies that would have rules. The difference is um, we have something called the non-aggression principle, and that's basically don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. So those two things are a violations of people's personal liberties, and those two things have to be um, in a voluntary society or any you know society where people would kind of come up with laws and things like that. Those would have to be enforced because that would be a way for the society to protect people's rights and liberties. So you know, stealing, rape, murder, those things violate someone else. Uh, doing heroin doesn't violate someone else. Now people always jump to, well, those people end up being thieves. Well, then you know, prosecute them for being a thief not for an addict. And, and so you have to kind of think among, um, along the lines of what do I do that hurts other people directly? What do I do where I taking their stuff or putting, doing them bodily harm or breaking a contract with them? Right. Those are the things that would have to be upheld. Exactly. See, this is a no brainer, right, Eric? Are you really an anarchist talking about the law? Are you guys anarchists or uh, <laughs> have I got something wrong here? Well, I think it's the weed, Eric. Yeah. I think it's the weed. <laughs> go ahead, go so, ahead, Trisha. So I mean, like I, I said, that's okay, a super so common anarchy, thing. Anarchy means no government. It doesn't mean no law. Uh, the government has a monopoly on force and violence. Um, they come up with the laws, and it's about as arbitrary as anything. Just a bunch of men in a centralized location. 
in marble halls a lot of times uh, through the stroke of a pen make up a law. Um, that's called government. So we believe in no government. That doesn't mean we don't believe in no rules, no voluntary cooperation contracts, things like that. It would just be they're the guys in the central location uh, that own the men with guns don't exist or right. they don't have any power over us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's no it's no masters. <laughs> yeah. No masters without consent. Right. And if you look at, you know, like monopolies, for instance, this exists because of government force. It exists because mm -hmm. corporations can buy off politicians to then craft laws that support them. You know, how would people be helped in, in a voluntary society? Well, you still would have private institutions that are governed by their own corporate rules and public opinion. Like, let's be honest about the society that we live in. I'm here in Indianapolis. It's fairly safe. I think I live in a safe neighborhood. Someone comes in and literally two years ago stole all four of my tires and rims. I call the police officer. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing. Sh shut up. <laughs> I call the police department. I say, hello, my tires and rims have been stolen off of my car. How can we catch these criminals? And they said... We're going to file that police report. And I said, when can I expect a detective here? We've got to catch these guys. And they said, no, 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 we're just going to file the police report. Uh, and so, you know, if you call 911 in, in L.A., for instance, the In-N-Out Burger has a security guard because – Every single person in L.A. has to have a, their own security. There's a gated fence for every driveway because in reality you live in an anarchist society because the police can't really bring law and order to protect people. And the most vulnerable communities, they definitely don't protect. And so it's about admitting where we really are as human beings in that we exist in societies of the hundred people we choose to be around. We form agreements with each other to to work together we we solve problems through private institutions and charities and organizations and we become active citizens again instead of just outsourcing to politicians to continue to hurt us you know and that's really what it comes down to like we already live in a society that essentially is somewhat anarchist so let's take a couple of questions here let's go back to eric and and hear his questions okay I'm pretty sure anarchy means no rules, but I don't know. You're the anarchist. You tell me. <laughs> I mean, he's got a good well, point, there are, there are two definitions of it. So if you like, go to the classic Merriam-Webster, and there's one that says no rules, but one that says no rulers, so no government, basically. And, and that's the term I use. That's why we use voluntarism sometimes, um, just because it, it's a more clear and direct way of basically saying, I believe in a voluntary society. Right. So, yeah, that's just semantics. Uh, I'm still an anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you follow Trisha and I here on Stereo and be sure to subscribe to my podcast, The Chris Spangle Show, and follow Trisha's podcast, Ginger Archie, spelled just like it is on the screen there. Um, next comment. Please leave a comment. We'd love to have a discussion with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Speak about the police. You know some. I drive an old police car, okay? I have the police bumper, it has a police drop, the teardrop deal. It's pure black, clear, everything's all black. Even the windows are darkness, okay? It's an old drug enforcement vehicle, no big deal. Well, the other day I was got, I left work and my headlight went out. Well, it was getting kind of dark, right? Well, anyway, I was going home and then I got pulled over. 
You ain't gonna believe who pulled my ass over. You know what I mean? Just for my headlight. I had to shake my ass, you know what I mean, about that shit. You know what I mean? It's funny shit. It wasn't the police officer pulling me over for my headlight. It was everybody else. Every citizen out there pulled me over and says, Officer, officer, your light is out. What the hell? I'm not no pig, wiggy dicky, you know what I mean? I'm not a cop. I'm just a plain old person who bought a damn car. (laughs) Chevy Tahoe guy. That's a sad story. Uh, I'm glad. That is. I, you, Go ahead. I hate those fake cop cars. People that buy those from auction. I'm like, damn it. Because <laughs> you get that those palpitations when they drive by. I'm following Chevy Tahoe <laughs> guy. I want to hear him go live when yeah. he goes live. He's a storyteller, you can tell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Chevy Tahoe guy. Oh, yeah, I think that's God. another... Um, I'm I'm glad that they pulled you over because you need to be held accountable because you're clearly trolling <laughs> everyone else and I wouldn't <laughs> Trisha I'd never buy one of those cars because I would constantly be slowing down traffic for myself because everybody oh. just thinks that those dumb car, cars are cop cars anyways. Oh, I hate that. Well, you know that you can tell like a cop car in your rearview mirror from the and now they basically drive like the Ford Exploders. Yes. But um yeah, so I you know that feeling. Of course you know how much love I have for the police. Oh. You are probably the most <laughs> anti-cop white person that I know. I just, you know, when I used I used to be a kind of like a big right winger and I I not that I had a lot of love for them, but I'm like, "Oh, you know, we're back the blue." And I was always like, "Well, did we see the video first? And, like, something snapped in me when I started watching Police the Police and, like, started really thinking about voluntarism. And I just, I got really mad, and I haven't stopped being mad since. You know what it was for me? It was Christopher (laughs) Dorner. Do you remember Christopher Dorner? Oh, yes, yes. And I'm glad that Chappelle Um, brought him up in a special. So Christopher Dorner was this LAPD cop that, like, could not, like, he just snapped because he he felt like he mm -hmm. was trapped. Like, Chappelle and one of his Netflix specials did a great recap. But he he uh, he killed a cop basically, and he killed I think maybe two. And so the entire LAPD went hunting for this guy. They found him in Big Bear, California, and instead of giving him any due process, they burnt the cabin down. and And he didn't he didn't get a trial. He didn't get a fair hearing. And I just went, if oh, no. if they're going to assassinate one of their own without any kind of constitutional protections, they're definitely going to do that to me. And then. Then I think Ferguson was after that, and that kind of got me thinking. And then Harry, my co-host on the Chris Spangle show, was like, he's black. He's like, you don't understand. It's different for you and me. It's a life-or-death proposition when I leave the house. Mm. You know, and, like, all of a sudden, but it started for me with Christopher Dorner where I went, I, I don't think the psychology of this industry is right. I don't think the individual cops are evil. I think that, like, the incentives that we've set up and the psychology of the profession really need help oh definitely the fraternal order of police it's like all they're almost like a race or a special band of citizens um and and there is that they protect each other at all costs that protect and serve the public's hysterical we could go into the semantics of that right but um i as for the police they're judge jury and executioner and there's no recourse like they're they're above they're above any type of law. They they get away with whatever they want. And yeah, they they ruby ridged Dorner. I yeah. mean, they just, they just decide. And 
there's no consequence. And then they'll paint the, the victim. Not that he was, you know, who's to say what he did? We can't. But um, the philosopher. they'll paint the victim right. as deserving Damn. it for some reason or another. And not in this case. The guy probably did. You know, I, I think he put it on video, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, um, Dorner definitely was guilty, yeah. but he didn't. Yeah, you know, but no, but he, he should have stood trial. Right. You don't just burn somebody alive because they're killing your profession like that. I, that that's when I kind of went. Right. All right, maybe because I grew up like I grew up in Plainfield, Indiana, which was law and order. You respect authority. You respect your parents. You respect the flag. You respect soldiers. You respect you know, and yeah. you, you are taught to obey. And you never are to really question, you know, and like even my my radicalism is like the the kid at the back of the Sunday school class cracking jokes like that's my level of rebellion. (laughs) You know, it's like so uh, and then you get out into the world and you realize, wow, there's narcissists and there's racists and there's Mm -hmm. stuff that we believe that are not right. But you know what is right? It is Chevy Tahoe guy. And uh, let's yeah. let's take his next next question here. Sweet. Well, I tell you one thing. I was cruising home. Okay, I got work. Okay, and I got me a case of beer because I was so excited. What store? Bought me a case of beer. Put my front seat right. I'm cruising on. Right. You ain't gonna believe this. I got pulled over. Okay. I says, "So, where you been?" I said, "Well, I was at work. I was. I stopped at the store. Give me some beer. I see that." Uh, can I have your beer? What? Give me your beer. Why? You ain't supposed to have it for our seat. What the hell? Uh, here's my beer. <clears throat> All right, you're free to go. Next time, do it again. Get DOI. What the hell? All right, so I had to go back to the store and get more beer. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what the hell, Trish? I think, I think that was my ex-father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> That's our new catchphrase. Yeah. Here. What the hell? What the hell? All right, we got another you know one what? from him. Go ahead. I, I well, I think there's a grain of truth in his stories. I'm not going to lie. All right. Civil asset forfeiture. <laughs> well, golly, I tell you one thing. I like your content. I love you guys. You guys make a good team. Anyways, I'm going to put you guys on my TikTok. You know what I'm saying? So the whole world can hear you guys. You know what I'm saying? So, heck, when you guys come on like a freaking light bulb, Everybody's going to be tuned in. You know what I'm saying? All right, I'm seeing you on my TikTok later. Thank you, Chevy Tahoe. Roger Gang. that, buddy. We appreciate it. I really <laughs> like him a lot. I really like him a lot. I do, too. Uh, we got another comment from Back As. Okay, so you talked about crime in cities. A city as an entity looks at a citizen as a commodity. So the cheaper that they can have a citizen in the city the more money they make overall. So cities have kind of got behind in the amount of police they have because any large group of people is going to have a certain amount of people that want to watch the world burn. So you have to have enough enforcement to make up for those people. And the large cities just don't have that anymore. Trish, go ahead. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't. (laughs) So um, I would say if you just enforce things that should be enforced, you'd find that you have more than enough staff (laughs) <laughs> and a guy that went to, to school for six months and starts off making $50,000 a year is probably a little overpaid. Maybe if, maybe if he catches a few rapists, you could up his salary. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's the thing. as long is... as we have traffic stops and the war on drugs, well, then we won't. There will never be enough police officers because there will never be enough revenue to get. 
Yeah, and that's that's key. Like here in Indiana, we have something called home rule. So if you want to raise revenue, you've got to go to the state legislature, which is super majority Republican, and they're not going to give you a, a tax increase. And so you've got all of these localities squeezed for income, so they just raise revenue by passing ordinances that write tickets. And so instead of enforcing rights by protecting people from murder, rape, and all of these other places, they have, uh, you know, they're, they're distracted with revenue collection. Now, that's smaller towns. Now, you're right. In a place like L.A., New York, they are more focused on a lot of that stuff. Uh, and Trisha's right. Like, the reason that we have so – like, I feel bad for police officers. Not to trigger you, Trisha. But, like, I feel bad for police <laughs> because I don't think that police officers go out there trying to – to, to, to be racist pieces of garbage like uh, that's I think they're there to do a service but we have put them in a position by passing so many laws that they must enforce that they have become uh, they've stopped being protectors or enforcing laws they've started to become revenue collectors they've started to become um, uh, ca- catching petty criminals like every law you pass everything you ask the government to do every ordinance you ask them to enforce it has to come at the point of a gun. That's the nature of government. And so mm-hmm. you now have every area of society going, I want your boot off of my neck. I want you to not come in here and, and enforce me to do something that I don't want to do. I just want to be left alone. you know. And it's the police officers that bear the brunt of that. It wasn't the city councilmen out on the front lines facing Antifa in these, in these, in these cities. It, it, here in Indianapolis, the mayor of Indianapolis hid in, in his office and he doesn't have to bear the brunt of his policies towards how his police act. He gets to just hide in his office, you know, and we don't I think that it should be mandatory for every politician to go out and ride with police officers once a week. So they have an understanding of what laws they pass and how it affects people, because they'll see how it affects communities. It, it, they'll see how it affects poor people. They'll see how it affects marginalized people. They'll see how it affects the police officers like and maybe they'll start to think a little bit more carefully about things like want the war on drugs and and needless. I want to petty touch on that the racism, racism in, in the police because it, it may be a little anecdotal for myself, but um, way back in the day, I dated a cop for a very short period of time, and then I had some family and friends. Um, and they don't. You're right in the fact that they do start off. Well, some of them just you know have that hero complex where they go straight from the military to the police, you know, because it's what they know, but. They do think, okay, well, I'm going to protect and serve, and this seems like a noble job. And, you know, they, over time, because of the war on drugs and because of the people that they put cuffs on the most are generally African-Americans, they become racist. I've heard inside talk. This is back when I was a neocon, and it shocked me because I grew up in a household. We didn't say that word and stuff like that. It just wasn't. And, and they're, they become very hardened and racist. I have a family member that left the force because she said, I don't want to be like them. Yeah. Like it, it, over time, it makes them into something where they wouldn't have been that way had they started. So I do think they look at somebody, they see the color of their skin, and they make an assumption and they're more aggressive. It's just true. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not, you know, you're off the hook if you're white, because trust me, they'll come kill, you know, shoot your ass too. It's just, it just so happens that. It, it leans much more heavily towards people of color in the inner city. Well, we've over-criminalized poorer communities of, of all colors. Like, you, mm-hmm. like, there's a great documentary that everybody should watch called The House I Live In. 
and it's about the war on drugs. <laughs> and David Simon, the creator of Homicide and The Wire, he basically makes the point. He's like, we don't. Our politicians don't know what to do with the bottom 10% of society, so they just pass laws to give them job opportunities that they can then lock them up and warehouse them and make money off of them. And, like, it becomes this cycle and it, of warehousing human beings. It's evil. There's no reason for America to have the amount of incarceration that they do, except for people keep voting it in because it's what they love. Like, we have to start looking at ourselves as the culprits as to why there is the amount of people in prison, the amount of of black communities that are destroyed by by policies passed by white politicians and enforced by black vice presidents. That's my hope with with um, a lot of my fellow anarchists and people that you know lead towards liberty is that we can start getting people to look more at not like uh, criminals deserve to be behind bars, this whole law and order thing, and starting to look at actually the root of things. And think, is this good for my neighborhood? Is this for my good for my country? Does the freest, quote, nation in the world have to have the largest prison population? Because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. What would make more sense? If we could stop being divided and say Antifa and BLM versus the Proud War, whatever. If we could just start looking objectively at things and think, what's going to work best in the end? And be logical. We could really go places. And I feel like as a country, we were kind of moving away from racism and starting to think a little bit more deeply about these issues. And then all of a sudden we just went backwards really fast. It's very I feel depressing. like we're moving forward, I, but I feel like the people who don't see people of color as human beings are going to are digging in their heels and they're just going to do that. Like you can't, you can't, and Malcolm X talked a lot about this. Like you can't talk well, about, they'll die. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, but he, well, maybe segregation <laughs> still lives on, but you know, Malcolm X yeah. talked a lot about this. How can you talk about civil rights, Martin Luther King, when people, when we don't even have human rights. And so how can you talk about, uh, you know, getting the vote when they don't even see us as people. And I feel that that's sort of, uh, there's, there's a large percentage of our population that just doesn't get that because they've chosen to check out. And they want to be comfortable. Or they've been or they've been told it's an attack on them and they should be afraid. Right. They've been fear mongered to yes. think that that means that those people are going to come into your home and kill you. There is a watch any documentary from like the Edmund Pettus Bridge and there's segregationists standing screaming in the face of white workers calling them, you know, white N words and N word lovers. And it's like that still kind of exists from a certain group of people who think that they're moral and upright and they're not. Um, mm -hmm. and they keep the majority of the country, the vast majority suspended in fear because they just don't, I just don't want to deal with being called names or I don't know how to have a conversation around race. I don't know how to talk about any of this stuff. It's like fear. Fear is at the core of all of it. You know, I'm going to, I'm well, going yeah, that's to, that's another thing. That's why I like when you do the, the pat down, cause you guys just talk about things and you're allowed to just talk about things. Yeah. And, People that are scared to talk about race in an honest way. Obviously, you don't want to be an idiot. But if you can talk about that stuff, then you're going to learn and you're going to be a better person. If you can't talk about it, you're never going to grow, you know? Well, we've got a bunch of questions piling up here, so let's take a few. Leave a comment or question. The thing is, you have those police officers making those stops because the police force is used as revenue generation. They're not being used to stop violent crimes. Yep, totally agree. But but listen though, you know what I mean. There are some motherfuckers with agendas, bro. Like you know what I mean. 
You know, some people just don't like certain people, and they just happen to get that job. You know what I mean? That's it. Yeah, I think. Well, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there is a uh, any any position of power is it, and it doesn't matter if it's a politician, a police officer, a school principal, a, a CEO. Any position of power is going to attract people who want to abuse that power. You know, it's just it's well, like remember Andrew and I were talking about the Boy Scouts and I said, why were there so many leaders? You know, I know I don't know if people know that there was that huge molestation scandal. I said, why did that happen? And he's like, because it was a safe place for them to go. So it just drew more people like that. Yeah. And there was a lack of consequences. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it, and that's it. And so like the Catholic Church, if they keep moving around the pedophiles, then what does that say to everybody who's a pedophile? It's okay mm-hmm. to do this here because you're not going to suffer real consequences and we're not going to make you pay. You know, and that's, that's the biggest problem in so many areas of our society is that we, we look at, at all of these things and we go, well, you know, that cop is doing his job. He shouldn't be locked up. You know, we, Donald Trump's just making up conspiracy theories. He'll, he's it's just his tweets. We don't need to worry about it. You know, these bankers Donald created, Trump lives on a different planet. Yeah, these, <laughs> but my point is these bankers created these subprime mortgages. They made a mistake. Leave them alone. Like when you stop imposing consequences on public officials, on public servants, quote unquote, on bankers on individuals in your own life when you stop holding them accountable it tells those people that they can be shit people and do whatever they want to do and people you're an enabler yes you're an enabler and we've become an enabling society in that we we don't want to go you know what this politician is a racist piece of shit and i hate it because he's on my team it's just better to be quiet and not say anything And that team mentality, too, which is another thing that government and media and um, the entertainment industry, too, they do. It's if you are, you know, if you don't like them, then you're one of us. If you're one of us, you don't like them or whatever. There's no there. It's all black and white. You know what I mean? And so you're going to believe everything the guy on your team says. And when in the end, I don't really think there are any teams. There's free people and then there's people that are slaves, you know, and that's they want to keep us slaves. Yeah, they want getting pretty philosophical here. Control. (laughs) Resist people who want to control you. Next up. You know, another thing, too, is that rich people get to sell drugs right underneath the uh, right underneath the police nose and the police. Like y'all say that. You know, they'll see you walking down the street and they're in they're in a nice, nicer neighborhood. So they figured these guys are they're not selling drugs, but I guarantee you, if you walk some drug dogs down the hallways of UCLA uh, by some of these kids' lockers, I'm sure you'll find a whole bunch of drugs. But they won't do that because they're protected by money, and they do uh, criminalize the poor and the have-nots more than they do people that have money. They get the pat on the back, but they do more crimes than any uh, low-income neighborhood, and that's real talk. Hell, hell yeah. Like, Lindsey Graham just called up the, the attorney general of Georgia or, or the secretary of state of Georgia and said, hey, I want you to throw out those legal ballots so I can swing this election. Committed a yeah. felony. You're never going to hear about that. The, the, the senators in nope. Georgia up for that those runoffs, 
insider trading. Martha Stewart does five years. They don't get any charges against them. It gets swept under the rug. Like, there's different rules for, and this is why populism has has become popular. And I have to be honest, I am mm-hmm. not a populist. I'm anti-populist. I, I I just I'm not against experts. I think elites have their place, but people need to do a better job of policing them. Uh, but that's why populism catches on is because there is this sense of other people, people who have networks of power, get away with things, and I don't, and I'm I'm pissed about it. And that, and I think that's a totally appropriate response. When you watch, like, the Jeffrey Epstein documentary, you go, everybody fucking knew about this guy. And they, yeah. they didn't care to do anything. They just let women continue to be trafficked. And it's infuriating. I think because, well, number one, they try to keep us divided and keep our time divided as a distraction. So, you know, they pay these little political games and you're supposed to be worried about this tweet and that and this and, but in the meantime, it's like people are like, no, if, if some people will say, if that happened, we would know about it. We do know about it. It's happening. Just right. <laughs> nobody's doing anything about it. And then people feel powerless or, you know, their attention's redirected in some stupid thing that we're supposed to be all upset about. Um, and, and so that's that's part of like just anarchy is when, when I kind of discovered voluntarism, it was standing back from everything and looking at something objectively, taking a breath. And trying to find the truth. Yeah. And I think that's sorely lacking in our society. And if we could get back to that, we could be a lot more free. Why did you anarchy know? produce that result? What, what, what is it about walking away from monopolized violence that led you to that place? Uh, well, I've always been a truth seeker. Um, just like my faith and, and everything. I've always sought what ultimate truth is. And I felt like my whole life. I was seeking. I never really found a good answer. And, and when I started reading and looking into it, it like, it was like all, everything fell into place. And so what I thought about this idea, well, this makes the most sense for that. And how would this work? Well, this makes the most sense. And I started to see things as they really were not what somebody else told me to think. And all the things I couldn't reconcile before, like, you know, uh, the war and, and the war on drugs. And why did I get to tell other people who they could marry or whatever? Then when I thought about voluntarism, it, it fit everything fit into it so perfectly that I knew it was truth. So and it felt it's very freeing. So basically, like the realization that the two party system and that the like you come from you you come from this worldview that is pushed by everybody else, and you kind of go, wait, this is all bullshit. It makes you examine everything else. It makes you kind of reexamine things. Absolutely, like it's it's like a dose of truth. It's like it kind of fits into everything and. Even like, even in my personal life, it's like, why am I trying to get this person to act the way I want them to act? That's no way to deal with another human being. It's not okay to hit people and take their stuff. It's not okay to force somebody to do your will. Now you can persuade people, which I very much enjoy, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) so let's, let's uh, take some of these comments. From a logical point of view, doesn't anarchy disprove itself since all of humanity is technically anarchic and the way that they decide to organize themselves is through governments? So we are inherently anarchic and we choose government and so therefore we have what we want. And so aren't you wasting your time? Well, I mean, I suppose an argument argument could be made for some people but i never signed anything and i didn't choose it and ultimately i'm responsible for myself 
I think if more people started thinking like that, and there are some pockets of um, anarchy societies and clans and things like that in throughout history. It's not completely, it's not that it's never been tried. Yeah. Um, and the, successfully. There's a book too. called. It usually the, gets conquered by a giant state. <laughs> there's a book called The Rule of Clans that I'm about to jump into, C with a C. Uh, and so basically, The Rule of Clans is. is uh, <laughs> oh, God, Chris. I'm. I'm <laughs> Listen, I love reading about the the 20s clan, um, and I'm reading another one about the Hoosier uh, clan by James Madison that's great. Um, but uh, the rule of clan, clans basically talks about how, like, in all these different pockets around the world and all these different continents of, like, how basically clans were, like, it, 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 in, uh, it created individualism and we thrived on volunteerism. It's a really great book. I totally recommend it. Um, so let's go back to our friend in the shower, that Jewish guy. Also, what are your thoughts on minarchy as opposed to anarchy? Go oh, ahead. This is Chris's favorite subject. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Trisha is a dirty, dirty voluntarist anarchist. I, uh, while she says I'm an undercover anarchist, which I kind of am, um, I have trouble trusting my fellow man so um i recognize that the superior way to organize society is where everybody gets a say in the force that is over the top of them i just think that's the most moral way to organize society where if you are going to rule over me i need to have a say uh it's why i wholly reject monarchism it's uh why i prefer democracy but i don't think democracy in and of itself is a, a liberating system because it does as as uh, we saw in Greece and other places in Rome, it becomes oppressive in and of itself. So I do like the constitutional republic in that it it set a foundation. While the founding was imperfect, it led to the expansion of freedoms and the expansion of rights to a point where you know society is getting freer and freer in a lot of ways. Even though the government itself is getting bigger and bigger, um, personal liberty is getting better while economic freedom is shrinking and you really can't have that because the two go hand in hand. Um, and so, you know, I, if I, a gun to my head, I'm going to say I'm a minarchist over an anarchist. And that means that I believe in a little bit of government. Uh, and I like the constitutional order and the, the framework that we have. I don't like it in its current form. I think it's, it's way too large. The founding frame was uh, small enough to really let people live peacefully at the local level in in a very well-organized way uh, for the most part. But, you know, local governments really should be like where all of the force is. Like you should be able to go and talk to your representative that directly impacts your life. Like you can't go – I can't go have a meeting with Andre Carson, my congressman. You know, and I know Andre Carson. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like I can't get a meeting with one of my two senators or the president. You know, that's not how any of this was supposed to work. You're supposed to have direct influence over the people that represent you. Um, so I fully understand and accept Trisha's argument against mon uh, minarchy, which is that once you introduce a little bit of government force, it has a, t a tendency <laughs> to metastasize. It? It's exactly right. So. Yeah. Uh, why? Why? Gus, government only knows one thing, and that's to grow itself. Why take but, that first oh, hit, Trisha? Caveat. <laughs> uh, the caveat to that, though, is like 
I, I'm not one of those people that says, well, rolling back the state's a horrible idea and I'm just going to you know, step out of it and I'm a complete agorist. Not that I don't respect agorists. I think if you can diminish any power of the state, it's a great idea. Go for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if you can change legislation and stuff like that, you're a fool if you don't. Because I'm enjoying certain parts of the Second Amendment, and I don't believe that the Constitution means anything more than a damn piece of paper. But if I could use the piece of paper, I'm going to. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think – I mean all of it is complicated. Like at the end of the day, I'm for classical liberalism, which means uh, that you – I knew you were a liberal. Yes. <laughs> you, you, we live in a multicultural society, and I don't just mean <laughs> cultures in terms of skin color. We live in a multicultural society where everybody has to cooperate, and the best way for that to happen is for people to understand each other and work together. Uh, and the best way to maintain that order of peace and harmony is through voluntary exchanges through market solutions. Um, and what that means basically is that you fix problems by creating solutions that make you money because that incentivizes you to keep innovating, hiring more people. That creates new problems that then get fixed. And, and the incentive for a market-based solution, the free market-based solution, is that people are going to put their desire for more because everybody thinks they don't have enough. Scarcity is at the heart of it. That they're going to, like, all these dudes threatening civil war that are playing, like, pretend <laughs> proud boy, three percenter soldier, none of these fucks are going to do anything. Because they're not going <laughs> to walk LARPing. They're <laughs> LARPing. They are LARPing. They're playing Fortnite in real life. They're not going to do anything because they're not going to walk away from steady jobs as a vice principal. They're not going to walk away from their families. They're not going to give up the economic security. You only have real dangerous situations when you have people who had economic security and no longer have it. You know, in Weimar, Germany, right. the Nazis... Like Donald Trump and January 20th. Yes. I'm kind of worried about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that they're... I, I'm not saying, like, there won't be violence because these people seem to be getting loonier and loonier, but... You, yeah. you, the Nazi right. party was made up of the middle class that had wealth and lost their wealth, and they were resentful of it. And so, like, mm -hmm. these dudes are not going to give up their economic security. Economic security is what we ought to be fighting for everybody. That's the whole argument about diversity and equality is that people should have the same level of head start and not have the same bear. Like, we have too many barriers on people of color, for instance, versus, uh, you know, the, the opportunities that I had. And so let's make sure that we're keeping an eye on, uh, like, listen, representation is not subjugation. It's not the same thing. There are people who will tell you that if, if a black face is in your TV commercial, then they're there to replace you. And that's not how any of this works. They're not there to subjugate you. They're asking for their children to see the same color face in their commercials, mm -hmm. and you just don't need to be threatened by it. And so um, that's... That is classical liberalism. It's a representation of everybody so everybody can achieve their own self-actualization. Everybody at the end of the day has their own sets of dreams and should have the same ability to reach those dreams without barriers from the state, without barriers from other people who have desires of domination or control. And there's domination and control in every pocket of every society, and, and we've got to talk cross-culturally about how to wear down those those barriers. So let's go back to, to our buddy, that Jewish guy. Are you familiar with the anarchistic philosopher Nozick? 
and his idea of roving bands of insurance companies, what? basically. I think he, uh, that kid nailed it, Trisha. What? <laughs> I am unfamiliar. Um, woven bands of insurance. I don't know. Is he referring to, um, uh, like, officers and people in law and government having to carry liability insurance? No. I know that that's so an idea. Robert okay. Nozick wrote Anarchy, State, and Utopia, and it's been a long oh, time you know since I read started, it. Yeah, I started to read it at a gymnastics meet or a volleyball meet, and I stopped like 20 pages in. <laughs> because it's uh, minarchy. It, 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 it turned you off, didn't it? <laughs> It wasn't that. It was actually my husband's book. I'm like, this is good. That and I got some weird looks from the other moms. It was funny. <laughs> uh, I have. No, I. I don't. Re- I remember it, and I know it's a. It was a decent book. I've skimmed through it. I don't. I, I didn't read it hard enough to to maintain it. I know that he is uh, kind of the father of minarchy. So next question. Mm-hmm. Great show. Great show, guys. Well, thank you so much, Mama Slappy. You can well, follow. Aw, please follow thank us. You. Um, I hope Trisha's having a good time, and we want to do this more often, so we'll definitely be back. So yes. follow us. And you can go check out our podcasts. We have podcasts, Trisha. Yes, yes. Yes, Ginger Archie, which uh, there's not a whole lot up there, but I'm kind of going to be changing things up. And go listen to everything that's on there. You can follow me on social media. It's uh, Trisha Stewart Man or Ginger Archie. If you just put those in any search engine on any platform, you'll find me. So. And uh, my, po- send me a message. <laughs> my podcasts are the Chris Spangle show and the pat down. So go check out the pat down. What does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Who is that? Uh, it sounded like my daughter. I, I hope that you will call back and uh, tell us what you said. Um, but I, I think she asked, what does it mean, Trisha? Uh, maybe she was referring to minarchists. Minarchism, and that means that you're a mini statist. That's what that means. Fuck off. <laughs> How do you guys feel about me going to court for a speeding ticket when they have streets in Germany with the Autobahn has no speed limit at all? Yeah. Why do they get no speed limit yeah. and we got tickets? What the hell? Because they're Germans. You know what? Actually, it's funny, though. That's actually not a bad example of a little bit of anarchy. Um, the Autobahn is one of the safest uh, highways to drive on in the world. Really? You know that? No, I didn't. No speed limit. Yeah. Now, if you get in an accident there, you're pretty fucked. But, <laughs> but um, yeah. I just think so. we discount. I think we think we don't trust other people, and that's the root of it. Like, right. And, and there would be traffic laws in an anarchist society. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I, there would definitely be traffic laws. You know, the, the there's still rules. It's just it's easier to to pick up and move. Like I. I you know, I, I, I guess I, 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 try, I struggle with it because I, too, do not trust other people. And I look at just, <laughs> like, there's 10 to 20% of any audience that I've ever been a part of that's just nuts and sociopathic yes. and abusive and stalkers and, like, just contemptible. Um, you know, and that's society. Like, there's 10% of people, like, there, you know, like, there was one liberal city that had replaced their police officers with social workers. And I saw last week that, you know, one of them had been stabbed to death by a person who was having a schizophrenic episode. You know, it was a well-intentioned thing, but sometimes there are times where force or a person with a gun is necessary in a situation to, to quell 
whatever situation right. that might be, you know, like there would, there would be security and you, you would never, you know what I mean? Unfortunately we don't, there's no true free open market where they could be like, okay, well I'm going to have a security officer go with um, this social worker to this person's house that made a call to this company because obviously they might harm themselves or someone else, which they don't really have that. So, uh, you know, it is well-intentioned, but not, not the best thought not, out. Not well thought out. A... No, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, you know, not, uh, uh, Go ahead. Social workers. My sister's a social worker, man. I will tell you, though. I mean, think about how many times they've shot somebody that they went on a call to their house. Social workers are amongst – <laughs> I have I dated a social worker for a while. Amongst the most violent people – I'm just kidding. Uh, a total psychopath <laughs> chained me to her wall. No. Um, oh, wait a minute. Chris, are we getting into a different – is this for your other podcast that nobody knows about? Spangle After Dark. Never mind. <laughs> yes. I think you have one subscriber bottle McDuffin. That's Ginger. That's my podcast, Ginger Ouchie. Um, no, I, I don't know. I like. There's no. I guess the older I get, the uh, so I heard this podcast, and this just stuck with me. Um, it was this podcast about podcasting, and they were talking to a group that has like a podcast editing editing academy. And they did like this big survey of podcast editors and they found like, so they were asking like, what do you charge? And they found that like people who started early, like the first one to three years, people charged very little because they didn't have any experience. And then people who charged from three to six years charged a lot. And then people who charged longer than six years charge less than the people who charge three to six years. Now you think, all right, well that's counterintuitive. The people who have the most experience would charge the most, but the people who hit six or seven years found that they realized how much they don't know and how many other people do what they do better. And they got insecure about their position and started charging less. And uh, so it was a market correction. <laughs> yeah. And so I sort of feel like the older I get and I've seen John Adams kind of write this, you know, the more you learn, the less, you know, and I sort of feel like that. Like I've been doing political commentary for 20 years almost. Next year will be the 20th anniversary of like writing and and I just go so you started when I was like nine. Yes, Please. exactly. Trisha. <laughs> so I. I, I feel like like ideologically I've never felt more clear on what I believe. Like I felt like the Trump era was very clarifying, but like movement wise and who I coalition with and how to, how to say what I think, like I've never felt like less less secure or 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 more, I've never had more doubt maybe. Like I feel sort of like a lot of people the older you get, you sort of go I was so sure that I had the right answers. And now that I'm a little older and my circles have expanded, I realize how much bigger the world is than I ever expected when I had those like early naive beliefs. And now I'm sort of like, eh, live and let live, you know, compared yeah. to, to we need to do it my way because this is the best way. And then I grew up and started talking to people and realized like all that's kind of bullshit. We're all just trying to figure each other out right now. 
Well, it, yeah, I mean, you, when you first discover a philosophy or something like that, you've also, you know, just like a, a relationship, you know, it's like, oh my God, head over heels, they can do nothing wrong, this and that. Right. And then you get deeper into it and realize, you know, this is a whole human being with all different aspects to it. And I need to understand the nuances of this person. That's the same with philosophy. And then you just kind of chill because you can't spend your whole life in, you know, that in the first month of butterflies and you can't live on adrenaline. You have to live in reality. And I kind of got there with anarchy and libertarianism too. But um, yeah, it's a little scary because the ones that, you know, say the most ridiculous stuff and stand, is, you know, firmly in the mud uh, tend to be the loudest and most popular. And I'm not really sure why, but. Yeah, it's like. Um, the, it's, it's scary have, to say. I have the like. least experience and therefore I'm the most popular. And you're like, what? <laughs> I, I get yeah, yeah, I guess I don't um I don't know. I I think like watching this past year as I've seen the full fruition of like the populist libertarianism that I preached a lot of and, and like seeing its final conclusion and like where that ended up and kind of like how that drove people to places that actively hurt them and their family and I'm just kind of like I'm still a libertarian, but like I'm not going like my grandparents are getting the vaccine next week and I'm happy about it. <laughs> you know, like, Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and I know. And, and it's, it's a funny because it's supposed to be about individual choice. Like I personally um, am likely to abstain from it. I've done a little research and I don't feel like it's safe. Uh, um, so I, it's not going to be for me. It's going to be a note for me, but I, and if somebody else decides to do that or whatever, as long as it's voluntary, you do you. Yeah kind of what it's supposed to be about why is it about telling other people what they should do and should think that's the opposite of libertarianism yes yeah, so as long as they're not forcing you shut the hell up you know you, you take something like the vaccine okay so expertise you had global cooperation putting this together you had markets and governments and massive cooperation on a huge scale with tons of private investment public investment you know, they created something that had never been done in an effort to re, re like to correct society. You know, it's like this massive knowledge project that succeeded. And like, instead of Donald Trump taking a victory lap on it, he's doing his nonsense about the stolen election instead of like the thing he the probably the best thing that he did as president. I mean, I think the non-interventionist, like breaking the non-interventionist or the interventionist fever, the Republican is, but like the yeah. vaccine's a pretty darn probably a, a, a one and then two. You know, I don't think he's even in any president mode right now. I think he's in panic mode. No, exactly. His yeah. ego is so yeah. fragile. But my yeah. point is that like here's this thing that experts did this awesome thing and libertarians are like, I'm never going to take something that kills my cells. Like, you're just like, okay, like, I don't, I don't know the first thing about vaccinations. All right. I'm skeptical of this thing too. Like I was told in April that it was going to take five years to develop and now it's here in five months. And it's like, right. Uh, you know, I've read the Tuskegee stuff, but my grandfather is 86 in a nursing home. My grandmother is 86 in the same nursing home in the memory care wing and he has been able to hold her hand about 20 times this year after 60 years of marriage. And her memory Aww. is rapidly fading. 
And I want him, I want all those people to give him that option. Like I want all of those experts to do this amazing thing. So my grandfather can hold the hands of my grandmother in their final years, instead of living in the hell that he's been in, in this tiny post office box room that he's in, but he can't leave. Like what kind of life is that? I, you know, if I'm That's not so sad, if I'm not going to take it, I'm at least want him to have the ability to take it. And I just feel like there's a lot of people who go, I don't give a fuck about that. I don't even give a fuck about my grandparents. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to take your vaccine. There shouldn't even be vaccines. And it's just like you go, I just don't. I, I know that I'm not with Joe Biden and them. But I know I'm not with these people either. And I don't know. It gets well, it gets I discouraging. Just, I was just saying to my husband, I'm like, I'm so sick of people on each end of the spectrum. I'm yeah. sick of people telling me you want to kill this person and that person. We got to shut this out. It's like, no, we don't. That's not what this is about. And I'm also sick of people like this isn't real. We should. Um, yeah, it is. Pretty yeah. sure. Pretty sure. I've got the antibodies. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you it's real. I don't know why we just can't, like I said, we can't think logically about something without having to be a team thing. The team thing is what's messing it up. Yeah. It always does. <laughs> yeah. All right. F- last few questions. Trisha just made me laugh out loud. McDuffin indeed. <laughs> Do you know who that was? That was Christy. <laughs> of course it was Christy. Chris, the great Christy yes. Avery. Next comment. You, you're going to have a bunch of people. Wait, sorry. Yes, sir. For your uh, podcast after dark. Sorry. Sorry, there's like a whole, there's a like a half a second delay that that has been messing us up. So I apologize. Okay. Do you know what's in that damn thing? Do you know what's in that uh, shot? The ingredients? Nope, I have no clue, and I haven't even looked. I do. <laughs> All right, good. I do. I've looked into it. If I were taking um, it, so, I would. I'm just, I'm just not confident in it, but I'm not going to tell somebody else not to take it. That's their decision. Like eighty-six, so. and, and and I just. That's how life should go. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not worried about my grandmother's reproductive system at 86. So, yeah, yeah. There would be. There are other things that I'm concerned about, which would be more for myself. Um, so I'm not sure about my husband with his line of work. I probably shouldn't say all that, but um, that he may or may not get it. I'm not sure. But, sure. Um, no, I, a... I don't think he's worried about a placenta detaching in his body. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, if it does, then you need to worry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although the whole baby thing that you gave birth to last week sort of seals the deal that he doesn't have a placenta. Yeah. So. Yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> we have a child now. Last comment. Sorry, that was my son. My apologies. He was playing around with the button. <laughs> That's totally okay. <laughs> uh, that we Is lo- he the one who asked what it means? That's cute. <laughs> uh, yes, that was that's sort of funny. Yes, yeah, so no, no worries whatsoever. Um, all right. Well, it, final thoughts, Trisha. I don't know if this if you started this as this is your podcast and I just took it over. If that's the case, I apologize. I'm no, a- I liked it. It was fun. I, oh, Chris, I love having conversations with you. This is fun. And what's really cool is the people that call in are not like obnoxious libertarians. Dude. I love this. <laughs> I love this app because it is a lot of people that would not listen to my podcast if I like it would be libertarian people. Like I have no idea where anybody is. Like it's it's just a cool variety of people like uh pandora's here yeah. who has to say this hey i don't mind you know interfering your conversation um i caught the last little bit of it 
about your grandfather and your grandmother? Why did got them separated? So my grandma has had Alzheimer's for about 15 years now, and so she has very special needs compared to my grandfather, who uh, he's he's in sort of a more traditional wing, and she's um, she's in pretty advanced stages, to be honest. So she just requires a different level of care, uh, and that's why they have to be separated. And obviously, like, you know, there's one uh, facility that cared for older Alzheimer's patients and they lost 30% of their clientele in April, you know? So the nursing home that they're in has been awesome and making sure that everybody's safe and, and doing their best and, and they've avoided any kind of catastrophe. So, so they're just overly cautious as they should be. So that's kind of why, you know, like they, I don't know that their life is ever going to go back to normal. Um, you know, I think, but being able to go to the lunchroom again <laughs> or being able to yeah. have visitation. Like we've only been able to see him face to face one time this year. So, um, you know, it's tough. So I, I just, you know, my mom's a nurse, a registered nurse who was on the front lines in, in April. And I, so I've got these experiences that like put it front and center and, and have put it right. And I know you do too, Trish, where it's just like, yeah. I know that a lot of these people who have lived in their bubble and only watch the Hallmark channel and just want to live in bubble wrap, like don't think that a lot of shit in the world is real and that it's, it's really hard out there for people. It's hard out there for the people who are going to work and have had to cut hours or lose jobs. Like this has just been a hard fucking year. And yeah. I don't know. I'm trying not uh, to make it harder, but and, sometimes memes make me feel better. And, and cut, just can I speak to like if there's people that do doubt it's okay to, to wonder and question things it doesn't make you um have to flip to the other side where you believe in draconian lockdown measures and things right. like that it's okay to believe two things to be true at once yeah like <laughs> I think okay. the people think in <laughs> March who were like I'm skeptical this isn't real like I think by now Maybe with 300,000 deaths, you'd go, all right, I've got the humility to go, I was wrong about that. And then the people who were like, right. we need to lock down all of society and the lockdowns work, like have some humility to realize that that probably wasn't helpful. You know, like let's all right. just take yeah. a look and say, where was I right? Where was I wrong? And let me just admit I was wrong. Yes. But unfortunately, we look to politicians as leaders um and they will never admit if they're wrong so that's that's who people are looking up to and don't look to them lead yourself make your make an informed decision go you know look do some research yourself look at all kinds of different news outlets look at some peer-reviewed articles you know just and say what you think and it's okay if you don't fall into one camp or the other and you've kind of got mixed feelings about things that's your thought not somebody else's and then then eight last years let them be together and your grandmother, she she knows he's not there. Aww. My heart go out to them, and I am so sorry. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's not Aww. it's not easy, uh, and I know it's not easy on on him especially, and it's not easy on the family, and it's uh, you know. Alzheimer's sucks, <laughs> and this is like, yeah. you know, like this is the grandma that helped raise me, and uh, it's been a long, you know, like hard decade and a half, 10 to 15 years of kind of dealing with that, and I just, you're, you've gone through it with your family, the, my heart goes out to you because I know how tough it is, and and it's just, um, 
I don't wish it on anybody, and I don't wish it for me or my dad or my family. Um, it's just a, it's a shitty, shitty disease. Uh, have you seen? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I lost my grandmother um, in July. She had Alzheimer's, and, and fortunately, my 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 mom and her brother and sister were able to see her when she was dying, but they were not allowed to visit any time yeah. after that. Um, and then my husband also lost his grandmother this past year. Um, and she had dementia and it's just, um, it, it's, it's sad because it's like you lose them earlier than they're gone yeah. and it's just not a damn thing you can do about it. So, um, to think of them being alone is, it's really, really hard. There is a great video. Um, and I'll make this my final thing and then you go, but, uh, the, there's this video of this ballerina, Russian ballerina doing Swan Lake and she has Alzheimer's. <gasps> And she, I saw that. yeah, she's like 90. She looks very frail and old and she's kind of lost. But then when the music hits in certain spots, her muscle memory and her, her she recreates the movements almost exactly. Like, I dare you to watch that and not cry. Like for me, it was just one of those little, like I bawled, like, I, I, you know, the, it just gives you those little flashes of the person that you love that you can hold on to. And it was, it's such a beautiful video. So I'll go check that out. Um, Trisha, that you know, it's oh, my husband's going to kill me. There's a documentary um, a, about a guy with Alzheimer's patients, and he introduces them to music. Um, Alive Inside, I think it might be. Mm. Uh, it's amazing. You have to watch, and there you won't have a dry eye. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, and just it's amazing. But yeah, this has been so much fun, Chris. I love this radio app. Like, yes, just getting to talk to regular. Folks. Uh, why is your yes, husband cool. going? Why is your husband going to kill you? Oh, I thought he was because I couldn't think of the name, but then I thought of it because he introduced me to that documentary. Oh, his grandfather okay. passed away from Alzheimer's, and he played him the music, and you know, dude, so, stereo. It was really cool, but I loved that. So I'm like, <laughs> stereo is a fun app, and it's so cool to talk to to people that are just like so beyond your circles, and you know, the guy, Mister, what was his his name, Mister Toyota? Wait. Uh, no, I'll kill you. Chevy, Chevy, Chevy Tahoe. Tahoe got, you, are, you are the worst. Chevy Tahoe guy. <laughs> that dude was so funny. So. Yes, he was. I got to go follow him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, he's got a TikTok. Don't forget your beer. TikTok. Yeah. Chevy Tahoe guy. I'm going to go look him oh, up. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. <sighs> Trisha, thanks so much. Oh, thanks for doing this. Hey, guys, check out Gingerarchy. Find me on social media and most platforms. I'm even on Parlor. Shh. <laughs> Here's Stuart or Gingerarchy. Yeah. Yep. Check out <laughs> the Chris Spangle Show, all of the shows on the We Are Libertarians Network, and check out the Pat Down. And thank you guys for listening. <laughs>